Hey, family. On our way to that passage, um, I just wanted us to give you a heads up what we're going to be talking about first. Uh, and I have to apologize, first of all, because I didn't time this. Uh, so we're going to go for a ride, and we don't know how long it's going to take us. But you just got to bear with me for a few uh, while we do this. <clears throat> well, this evening I would like us to think about and examine God's salvation. Now you'll see that the title of uh, the study is going to be over uh, walking in the light. But to get to that point where we look at that, uh, I wanted to backtrack us a little bit and look at the entirety of God's sal- the plan of salvation. <clears throat> and I'm sure just as you are, I'm always amazed and so thankful that God has granted us his mercy and his grace. And the concepts that we're going to be talking about, um, they're the foundation of our faith in the gospel, right? Uh, it's something that we all uh, should be well-versed in, and even though it can sometimes be a difficult to- uh, topic to cover. In, uh, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, through chapter 6, verse 3, uh, Paul gives us, um, gives them, I should the, the recipients, correcting and encouraging uh, the followers of Christ to move on from the, the, basic, the basics of the faith and to continue to build on it more and more. And just like any topic, I think it's good to go back and, and reinforce that foundation. And that's what we'll be doing tonight. Uh, at the same time, I'm so grateful about all the truth, uh, God's truth that's out there in the world. Uh, we just need to make sure when we're receiving it, whether from each other, from the pulpit, uh, from God's word, we test it, right? We test it against whatever we're receiving against God's word to make sure it's truth. So hopefully you're doing that tonight and checking me. And if uh, there's anything that I may misspeak about or have uh, a difference of opinion, please approach me. And that way, if I am uh, not accurate, not correct, that we can uh, make adjustment, like I can correct that when, if need to be. We see that. Uh, uh, I also wanted to look at. Sorry, I also want to look at uh, some popular views that kind of come up that you guys might run into while you're communicating with people about the gospel and uh, about God's plan of salvation. And uh, look at the scriptures that speak about some of those uh, those views that come up. We see that God had a plan from the very beginning. Overall the beginning of his creation. And he had that plan from the beginning to save that same creation that he had made in his image. We see God enacted the plan through the scriptures and that it was completed. And that he offers salvation and forgiveness to us all. Again, the question comes up though, how do we access that? How do we access that salvation? What do the scriptures tell us? If we search the scriptures... Uh, what it says, we see that we are saved by God's grace and mercy. Like we talked about before, first and foremost, that is the all-encompassing answer to that. We also read that God's love is completely unconditional, while his salvation that he offers is conditional. Not everyone receives it. So what is it that saves us from our sin? Again, that basic overall answer is God's grace. And we see that our faith is, again, that all-encompassing answer. 
Having said that, that's not the end of the conversation. Some people want to stop there and say that's all that's needed. Um, but that's not what the scripture says, right? That's not what God says. On Wednesday night, uh, if you were, Nathan went through the steps of salvation that we, read, that we read about in God's word, and I wanted to thank him for that. It's nice to have people kind of preparatory give out scripture and, uh, and set a foundation for what you're about to do. And we see in those steps, like he talked about, uh, what we come up with, if you make a chart of it's to hear. You start out by hearing the gospel, and he gave scripture for that. And we have to believe that gospel. We have to repent of our sins. We have to confess Christ before men. We have to be baptized into Christ and continue to live faithfully. We see that faith is a component through each and every aspect of that. We see in God's words that he tells us that these are required. Uh, some, a problem that sometimes people have is when looking at those steps, they see it as a list of things that we are to do, and they see it as us earning our salvation. And that's a legitimate concern. Um, are, we, are we saying that we earn our salvation by doing these things? That's something that we should reflect upon and see what the scriptures say about it. That way, when somebody has that viewpoint that, that's, that they think that's the case, uh, how are we going to reply to that? Well, I want to look at uh, some scriptures that they might use to support this view. And so, in Second Timothy, in chapter 1, we're just going to be verses 8 through 9, we read, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. <clears throat> who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And you can keep on reading, but you can see that we read that he saved us and he's called us with a holy calling. Again, not according to our own works, and that's what people hone in on but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us. And then, again, that's in Christ Jesus. If you go on to read chapter 2, verse 1, in the same book, uh, Paul encourages Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. Um, Again, that's, that's calling for action, right? Verse 15 also in the same book, uh, in chapter 2, he, t- he calls for him to be diligent to present himself approved to God. A work who, d- who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And again, you continue in verse 19 through 21, we are called to cleanse ourselves for honor, to be sanctified, prepared for every good work. He goes on to say how we are to do that, and he gives us a list. So we can see that there is a relationship between the two, right? Again, it's not just taking this one verse and stopping the conversation there. There's more to that conversation. Uh, I'd also look over, and again, we're keeping things consistent here with the, the teaching and the, the writing of the author, who is ultimately God. Uh, let's turn over to Ephesians. Here's another verse that that comes up, uh, that can come up, that people uh, see and they use that 
This is Ephesians chapter 2. And in chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by God's grace, period. But how do we access that grace? We access it by our faith, is what we read. We're not saved by our works so that no one can boast. There is, and we see here that there's more specific reasoning behind that. We're called to be humble. We, throughout the whole scriptures, we're called to be humble, but this is also addressing that. If we think we have any ability to be in the presence of God for eternity without Christ, we cannot be more wrong. There is no way that someone will be able to stand before God and say, look at what I have done. We clearly see that our works do not save us because each one of our individual sins, we stand condemned. And there's nothing that we ourselves can do to rid us of that sin. The only way to cleanse us of our sins is through uh, Jesus' blood. And we know this, right? Everyone knows this. No one argues with that aspect. God is the only one capable of doing that. And he tells us how to do it. Jesus was, is, and will be the only way. He is the Alpha and the Omega. <clears throat> we come along to Mark sixteen sixteen, uh, when working through what we look at to be saved during those steps. And again, Mark sixteen sixteen reads, "He who believes and is baptized." And reading something like that, we see that's part of our salvation. That's how we obtain our salvation. Again, there's others that say, wait, stop. Baptism is an action, so it must be a work. And it cannot have anything to do with our salvation. The problem is that's not how the Bible calls it. That's not what it says it is. Especially when we flip over and read First Peter Verse 21 and 22 says, There is an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of filth from the flesh. Baptism now saves you. <clears throat> we don't stop there and say, baptism is the only thing that's needed for salvation. Because that's not, we look at the new covenant in its entirety, Right? We see what God says need, uh, is needed to be cleansed from our sins. Are we diluting God's plan of salvation? Instruction on what he requires. There are plenty of examples of conversion in the Bible under the new covenant to confirm that process. And that's where we get that from. There is a tendency to read about how works do not save us. And then look at what, has, what God has instructed us to <clears throat> uh, for us to accept his salvation and say those are works. 
Baptism is an action, so it must be a work doing the work. It's not a work of us. He's washing our spirits clean of God's offer of salvation and are being faithfully obedient to him. If anything, out of that whole process of salvation, repentance and confession, if anything, that should be considered a work because what's required on our do these things is enter in a covenant relationship with them. That's part of that process. There's an example I have for you, uh, and it's used in a bunch of different ways, but um, suppose, suppose someone gives you a check for a million dollars. The money's there if you want it. All you have to do is get it. But there's still the process of going to get the check, accepting the check, going to the bank, endorsing it, depositing it, in no way during that process am I considered that I uh, that is it's considered that I earned those million dollars, right? It's non-work. You can never boast about becoming a millionaire through uh, your own efforts or business savvy. No, the million dollars was simply a large gift, and you were only going through the process on the way to receive it. Similarly. Um, Exercising obedient faith is the only way to receive the generous gift of God. And that obedient faith should not be considered the word, uh, work worthy of the gift. Going over to Romans, I know we could probably quote Romans very well, but going back over to Romans chapter 6, and verse 1, I'd like to read uh, verses 1 through 6 and verse 14. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was risen from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in a newness of life. For if we have been unified together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. For he who has died has been freed us from sin. We see that there is a very special significance of baptism. That's the point when we come in contact with Jesus' blood. That's the point of cleansing. And that is when we are free from sin. That is why we, we hold that we're not saved until we're done with that process of salvation. It reads, uh, Even so then, at this point, and if by grace work is no longer work, uh, people, you might hear people use this also to say that any kind of works destroys grace. Um, just like anything that's written, we have to make sure we don't just look at the scripture and call it the chapter that it's in, the book that it's in. And in the section, uh, look at who he's talking to. Just before that, in the previous verses, he's talking specifically to Israel and trying to call them out of what they're set in, and that's the Old Covenant. And again, try to call out the, uh, 
the Jews. We can see that in chapter 2, 3, 7, multiple other places throughout the book. And they have the law given to Moses. He's calling for them to live up to a calling of being God's people and to move on to that new perfect covenant which God's people are now under in a minute. But the question always seems to come up about that, uh, about baptism. What if somebody were to die? They were going to the church building and they died on their way uh, to be baptized. They, w- they had the faith, but yet they had not carried out the baptism. Uh, first of all, brethren, we're not the judge of that at all that we don't have to deal with that kind of question. Having said that, that type of situation has the lowest likelihood percentage of that ever happening. Is there a possibility? Absolutely. Has it ever happened? It's, again, it's possible. I don't know of one, but uh, I haven't lived a long enough life yet for all sorts of situations to happen. But a question to ponder of that would be, how many opportunities did that person have to be faithful the examples of the, in the New Testament of conversions, we see people being baptized immediately after they receive the word and they believe. God tells us his will. And we're able to do He tells us what we are able to do. And that's what we are able and that that is what we are to believe in and to teach about it. That's all we can do. We can't answer every hypothetical situation. We just teach God's word and what he tells us. For some reason, some, mankind has this tendency to swing on a pendulum, usually from one extreme to the other. So when God says something, like, man's work cannot save him, we say there's nothing that we are supposed to be doing that's part of our salvation including what God tells us to do for our salvation. Uh, so we have to be careful about that. We can also swing the completely opposite, different direction and say that we are saved by specific rites and rituals or traditions that must be done that are not from God. So let us hold fast to God's word and not follow it and let us teach others what God's word is. I would like to leave off the looking into that process of salvation in James who had a lot to correct the church in during that time about their views on faith. You can see an interesting um, transition throughout time. So in James and he had a lot to speak about faith. Which can be chapter 2 verse 21. It reads You see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Friend of God, you see that man is justified by works and not by faith only. And then we can read verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So he's talking about a dead faith there specifically. But we see that uh, us being obedient to God It perfects our faith. It completes it. We also see that about Jesus in Hebrews. You flip over to Hebrews with me. 
And in Hebrews chapter 5, He who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. He also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal So now that we have that foundation about the process of salvation, that segues to what happens after we're cleansed. And the steps, that seems to be universally understood, but again, there's still discussions that come up about, about that that we should be prepared for. Um, to set that foundation in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus identifies as the light of the world, and it's that light that gives life. Also, uh, same, still in John chapter 12, verse 35 through 36, Jesus continues to identify as the light that illuminates our path. And we are told to believe in the light and walk in it to be it. And again, how do we walk in the light? So turn over with me to first, first John. First John chapter 1. Verse uh, 5, and, and continuing into um, chapter 2. It says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to him, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, self is a propitiation of our sins, and not of ours also, but also for the whole world. By now we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I knew him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him just uh, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which is... Uh, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. He is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness. We are uh, encouraged to walk in the light, which is following Jesus' example. Not only that, but knowing him, intimately knowing him, not just knowing of him, not just knowing the generalities of Jesus, but knowing intimately what he is like, who he is. We also see that following his commandments is a part of walking in the light, living like his example. If we do that, we first of all have fellowship with one another, Right, because we're all walking in the same direction, in the same group, together. Hopefully, we're guiding those that are drifting out of that light back into it instead of going off in the darkness. 
So we're doing that, but during that time, we also have continual cleansing from all sin. That's powerful, and that's amazing. I also wanted to flip over to Ephesians, and back over to Ephesians, chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse, uh, read verse 1. Yeah. So, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 21. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-selling, sweet smelling aroma but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints neither filthiness nor foolishness nor coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks for this you know that no fornicator or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once of darkness, but you are now light of the world, walking as children of light. For the fullness, for the full fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And we have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 15. See then that you walk not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And uh, because of time, I was going to go all the way to 21. Well, I have a lot more verses, and so I'm trying not to uh, have you guys sitting for too long. Um, you guys can just mark that and read that on your own, because we've got a couple more to lean on knockout. But the previous verses before this are talking about that renewing of the spirit of your minds and how we are to put on a new self, one that's be, that is to be like uh, created after the likeness of God, uh, the true righteousness and holiness. That process, first of all, starts once we are cleansed, right? That putting on of our new self. But that's what that whole process of salvation is about, is starting that transformation process and going through it. It's not automatically completed. We are transformed, but there's still more transformation that needs to happen. We are called to grow spiritually. And we're talking about being sanctified through that transformation. In Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1 through 3, Daniel read that for us this morning when he was talking about our worthiness. We're to be transformed. Again, that's an ongoing process. That's a daily process for many of us, right? You see that with the pillars of faith that are listed in Hebrews 11. They all started out average, sometimes below average individuals. But because of their faith, they became pillars in the Lord. 
Second Corinthians, flip over to Second Corinthians. We're pretty close to that one. Second Corinthians, chapter three, verse eighteen. We read, "But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image." From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We have to know Jesus. We have to emulate Jesus. We have to reflect Jesus. That is a lifelong process. And during that process, we have to have the understanding that we're never going to be like Jesus. But how we mirror him, how we become perfected is because of him. We are, again, called to be more like Jesus. And we are perfected by his blood. Uh, I also, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, I've already read, well, Scott read some of this, and I read it again last Sunday. But I just wanted to touch base on that very briefly. Second Corinthians 5, chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And again, you can continue reading in that. But I just want to touch briefly on that. Okay, I got two more. Two more verses for you guys. Uh, Matthew. So flip over to Matthew for me. And in Matthew chapter 5, here we're reading about the Beatitudes. Um, in chapter 5, verse 14, it's right after the Beatitudes. It's 14 through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Family, we are we're mirrors, and emitting the light of God. Don't forget that when people see the light of your works, that you use that opportunity to point the glory to the Father, never to ourselves. That's sometimes difficult to do and to remember, but that's something that we should uh, try to remind ourselves often and have techniques of doing that, which is even more difficult. So... Uh, Maybe we should share our techniques now and then uh, if we have that ability, if you've figured out good ways to do that. The last one's First Peter. Last verse is for Peter over here. Chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 uh, through 26. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the form of lust as, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, 
knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foredained before the foundation of the worlds, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him the glory so that your father, sorry, that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Family, we see that just like Danny was talking about this morning and what we read in the scriptures, our value is not earned by us. Our salvation is not earned by us. That's why God sent Christ to redeem us, to reconcile him, to reconcile us with our creator. God has expectations for his people. He gave us guidelines to access his salvation. If you have needs of the body, prayer requests, or needs of support. Uh, if you haven't been immersed and had those sins washed away through Christ, if you haven't gone through that process that we just talked about, uh, the ability is always here. Uh, we can uh, do any of those things while we stand and as we sing. Lord, my